0: Great, thanks, Margaret, very much indeed. So we're taking these verses from Ephesians chapter 4. It'd be great, I think, probably just to have them uh, there open in front of you on your phone or whatever you use at the moment. There are some Bibles back in the far corner if you want to pick one uh, one up. Just Just to see how it creates a bit of a framework for our conversation. As part of our summer series, we're thinking about what's in our... Hand, What's in our hand or our hands? What, what has God given us in order for us to use for his purpose? What has God given us to take responsibility uh, for in our lives? And uh, today props goes a little bit deeper than, well it definitely does go a bit deeper than what's in your hand. Because today we're thinking about what God's placed in our hearts. It's not just something out there in our hand, but it's something much deeper than that. It's something in our hearts. It's something intrinsic to who we are and to the way that God has made us. And I, I loved uh, the way, grateful to Margaret, perhaps without knowing it, emphasized uh, each one of verse 7. But to each one of us, to each one of us, to everyone here, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I just want to invite us to be uh, still for a moment to pause, and whilst we might think sometimes about things that are external in our hands, just to become conscious in these moments of the grace of God in our hearts. Can you do that in the quietness? Can you be conscious that in your heart, Jesus has placed his grace, his presence, his love, his reality, his hope, his truth. Can you receive that in this moment? Can you breathe that in? This is not just something out there. This is not just something... Outside of us, but but within the grace of Jesus in our hearts this morning. That's a wonderful gift, isn't it? The grace of Jesus in our hearts. The grace of Jesus in our hearts. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that grace, that grace does something not just subjective in terms of the way that we feel, but it does something objective. That grace, Paul says in these verses, creates the unity that these verses have been speaking about. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That grace that we've experienced in this moment creates a unity that is based not on uniformity, us all being the same, we don't look the same, do we? Or us all liking the same things, we certainly don't like all the same things. We certainly uh, don't look the same or like the same. We certainly don't behave in the same way, in the wider sense of of that. Because those in the end are not the things that unite us. What unites us is the reality of being in jesus is the reality of his grace being in our lives and the bible talks about it like this the holy spirit his grace in us by which we cry out and call out to god as our father and so if we call out to god as our father we know the reality of being part of his family and that's what Paul is saying. This is, a, this is a reality for us. It says, do not try and create the reality in those opening verses, but live out. But live out the reality that is already true. Live out this unity. Live out this giving yourself one to another, because that's what God has created by the grace of Jesus that's within you. But then Paul journeys on from that place of unity to talk about the grace of Jesus not just uniting us, but the grace of Jesus creating a diversity within us. It doesn't stop us being united as we think about our diversity. Our unity is in Jesus, and actually, What Paul is drawing us to think about here, our diversity is also in Jesus. Different aspects, different characteristics of what it means to have the grace of Jesus in our lives. And you can see verse 7 actually goes straight to verse 11. There's a parenthesis, it's in brackets, there's an aside. I'm telling you this. And by the way, diddly, 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 and now this. So verse 7, if we get rid of the diddly, diddly, diddly diddly bit for a minute and go from verse 7 to verse 11, it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What does that mean? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Jesus' grace places his character, his qualities within us. And Paul describes those characteristics, those qualities as that of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. So we see there, verse 11 we all have the characteristics of Jesus and notice why verse 7 is so important because these are not characteristics of the chosen few sometimes we've talked about these things as being uh, leadership roles in a particular church or we've talked about them as being uh, as being functions that that happen to each one verse 7 says a measure of these things have already been given. What does that mean? So it means some of us have apostolic qualities, apostolic characteristics. The apostles were literally the sent ones. Those who pushed the mission of God forward. Those who perhaps went first and encouraged others to follow. The pioneers, the visionaries, the trailblazers. It was the the apostles that pushed the church forward, uh, firstly into the Jewish uh, culture and then on into the Gentile culture and across the known world. As the gospel of Jesus went for Jerusalem and pushed with a sense of movement towards Rome, we see the apostles leading the charge in that. The prophets... And some of us have the characteristics of the prophets, those who speak out on God's behalf and speak up for God's truth on God's behalf. The prophets who are asking what is God saying and what's God's truth and God's heart in this situation. The prophets that are championing justice and righteousness. In a moment uh, we'll think of some of the great uh, prophetic uh, voices of church history and the difference that they've made. So some of us have p- particular prophetic characteristics in our lives because that's the way the grace of Jesus gets expressed in us. Excuse me again. Some of us, though, have the evangelistic characters of Jesus uppermost in our life. That's the way the grace of Jesus expresses it. We carry the good news. We can't help but talk about the good news of Jesus. We can't help but present who he is and celebrate what he has done and call people to be part of uh, the church and his kingdom and invite people to share in the journey with us. Uh, And some of us will have that evangelistic characteristic uppermost. Because that's the way the grace of Jesus expresses itself in us. Other of us will be shepherds, the nurturers, those who protect and build community. Those that are acutely aware of the needs of others and are looking to support, encourage and get alongside people in their place of need. Others of us will have the teacher uppermost. We want people to see, to know, to understand. We want biblical truth to come alive so that people can live it out and be transformed by it, the explainers and the guides. Do you recognize yourself at all in that very headline set of descriptions? Do you recognize the way the grace of Jesus expresses itself, the characteristics, the qualities of Jesus, the way they express themselves in your life? Maybe it's easier to recognize it in others. When I've described the shepherd or the teacher or the event, you go, oh, I see that person is like that. And listening to what other people say about us is an important way, and we'll come back to this, of discovering who we are. But why are these important? So what? Why does it matter? It matters because of verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling of God. That you have received. And the calling on all our lives is to be like Jesus. And so if there are characteristics of Jesus in our lives, bringing those alive, extroverting those, letting those qualities grow and become released in who we are, is what it means to live a life worthy of God's calling. It's not academic. It's not theory. It is the way that God has made us to be and how he calls us to follow him. Because we see all of these things in Jesus. And one of the misunderstandings, I think, that there has sometimes been is, is to take this verse in Ephesians and think that it's kind of it, building a kind of theology around it. What these verses in Ephesians do is reflect the reality of who Jesus was and is and what he came to do. So Jesus, for example, was, of course, uh, the archetypal, the quintessential apostle of everyone and anyone. Jesus, ultimately, the one who was sent from God to extend God's kingdom here on earth. Earth. It was Jesus who left there to become an agent here. So every sense in which we are on a mission with God and for God is only because Jesus himself has been the true apostle on a mission sent from God. Jesus, the true prophet as well, the, the truth bringer. Jesus came and said, um, uh, uh, I am the truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And as a prophet, he spoke God's truth. He said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. So repent and believe the good news. As the truth bringer, he stood up, didn't he, for what was right. And it says most succinctly, he only said what he heard the father saying. So to be like Jesus is to be prophetic. It is to have that sense of speaking out and speaking up for and on God's behalf. And so we, we go through Jesus, the evangelist, the lost seeker. Jesus got himself into trouble, didn't he? As a a teacher, because he spent most of his time with what kind of people? People People like us. Yes, that's right. He said he's friends of sinners and tax collectors and they, they couldn't, but, but Jesus said that, but that's the whole reason I've come. I've, I've come to seek and to save, uh, the lost. The loss must be found. Really interesting, isn't it? When when they accused Jesus of spending too much time with tax collectors and sinners, Jesus says, I've got three stories. Do you know what the three stories were? The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. So when they said to Jesus, what are you doing hanging out with those people? Jesus said, well, that's the very reason I've come. I've come to help people that are lost be found and that's the heart of the evangelist the son of man came to seek and to save the lost jesus the true shepherd perhaps that's a, a more familiar uh idea to us we think of jesus as the one who nurtures and loves and cares and perhaps because of psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want or i shall not lock, lack uh i shall lack nothing this idea of jesus being the shepherd is is perhaps uh, more focused in our minds. We see his love and his compassion, his heart for the broken and uh, those that needed healing. He's the true shepherd. And of course, perhaps we're, we're more familiar with Jesus, the idea of him being the teacher as well. We know that his uh, collection of his stories, of his sermons, the Beatitudes that have lasted now for 2,000 years of great wisdom and insight. So the question is this. Which do you most think about Jesus as being? Do you think Jesus, you think of Jesus as an apostle? Do you think of him more as a prophet? Do you think of him more as an evangelist? Do you think of him more as a shepherd or do you think of him more as a teacher? And perhaps the, the shadow of that is which do you least recognize? The, the one that you least think about Jesus being like? Because we all have a natural kind of affinity with certain characteristics. We, we all see things in a particular way through a particular lens, a particular filter. So what might that be? Why don't, why don't you just for a moment extrovert with a couple of people around you. When you think about Jesus, what characteristics do you most think about The most immediately come to mind? And perhaps which characteristics are the least, much lower down in the pecking order? Go. tension between the way that you particularly think about Jesus and what you are leaning into, or, or there may be a bit of a disconnect there, which is helpful for you just to become aware of. Actually, I think about Jesus like this, but I feel like this. And actually, the discovery that Jesus is also like this is a freedom, uh, a freeing and a releasing thing for you. Because uh, that grace in you that Jesus has placed needs to find its fullness. But there's a wider view still that's really helpful, I think, as we begin to think about the grace of Jesus at work in our lives. Because there's a common grace at work here. Because think about it, if Jesus is the true apostle, the true prophet, the true evangelist, the true shepherd, and the true teacher, and what do we know about Jesus? We know that Jesus reflects fully the Father's heart, who the Father is. What what did Jesus say to his disciples? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The disciples are going, well, we're asking what's God like? How, how do we know what God is like? And, and, and Jesus says, well, you know what God is like by understanding what I'm like, by discovering who I am. So if these five characteristics are profoundly true of who Jesus was and is, then these five characteristics are profoundly true of who God the Father is. Does that make sense? because Jesus is reflecting who God is. And we know that the way that God created the world was not in an in an abstract kind of way, but the Bible tells us that Jesus created the world, uh, that God created the world out of himself. So he created mankind male and female in his image, in his likeness, in his sets of characteristics which would mean that you would expect to see these graces at work all over the world. You would expect to see the apostolic nature in human beings, the prophetic nature in humanity, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, and so on. And that's exactly what we see. We see that some people carry the apostolic nature of God. They've not yet surrendered to Jesus But it's there because they are made, they are created in his image. The pioneers, those who step out and break new ground. Those who are often at the forefront of new discoveries or new inventions or new technology. These things are often driven by apostolic, characteristic, natured people who are pushing the boundaries, who are pushing forward the frontiers. And some of us love the idea of doing that. And some of us can't stand the idea of doing that. And that's why we're all different. And that's fine. Think of the prophetic nature. Those who speak up and speak out for truth. Those who champion justice and call out injustice and fight for it. With prophetic types without, sorry, prophetic types, we'd still be sending kids up chimneys. We'd still be keeping people as slaves. Women would not be able to vote. Modern day slavery would be hidden from sight and so on because it's all those with a deep sense of God's justice, even if they don't recognize where that comes from, that champion the rights of the poor and the oppressed that have seen so much change. If it wasn't for people with the prophetic nature, we'd still be in all kinds of ways. Ah. Lacking, and, and of course, there's a long way to go. And it's often the prophets that are at the forefront of pushing the, the, the rights of the poor and the oppressed, of championing justice and mercy and calling out that which is not right. And which is not true. Think of the evangelist nature. Those skilled in communication, in gathering people to a cause, in awakening people to a response. Often those who are good at negotiating or making deals or making connections. Advertisers, marketeers that help people connect, not just with where they are, but help people connect with a new reality. If it wasn't for the evangelists, then most of the great uh, inventions that perhaps the apostles had made, none of us would ever have heard of. And so you can see how these different natures need to go hand in hand. Think of the shepherds, those who are skilled as caregivers. Uh, perhaps this is more readily obvious to some of us sometimes. You know when you, you encounter um, uh, the National Health Service, people say two things, don't they? People say the whole structure is falling apart and it's creeping under the weight of goodness knows what. But the people in it are... Our uh, angels are wonderful. Uh, they, they carry something, don't they? they? They carry that shepherding nature, that shepherding heart. The caregivers, the peacemakers, those who are attuned to people's feelings and emotions, those who can bring two sides that are in conflict together. Without the shepherds, we probably would have all killed each other off a long time ago, I suspect. Think of the teacher's those who teach our children and students, those who help us with things we don't understand, those who help us uh, bridge the gap between my reality and my understanding with what's going on in the wider world, those who give language to my experiences, those who give articulation to what I need to see in order to move myself forward. And so however marred and however broken, We can see these graces from God at work in the world. And we need them. We need all of them for human flourishing. We need them. We need them in hospitals. We need them in schools. We need them in factories. We need them in offices. We need them in every community. We need them in families. We need them in every church. And look where we started. We started in Ephesians 4 with, if we're not careful, too narrow a view of what it means to be church. To build up the people of God and we kind of think in this context. But look how Ephesians 4 starts. It starts with that verse about living a life that's worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives. And whatever else we know... We know that God has called us to serve him, not just in the confines of this particular moment, but ultimately God has called us to serve him where he has placed us. We often talk about our calling is to be the church with the people and in the places where God has put us, where God has placed us. And so suddenly we can see that these graces that God has placed in our lives are super important for us to live out the calling that he's placed upon us. So we need to become good stewards. Good stewards of the apostolic nature. Good stewards of the prophetic nature. Good stewards of the evangelist shepherd and teacher. Good stewards of the grace God has placed in you, in me, in us. And we know that to be good stewards, we need to do something about it. To be good stewards, we need to activate, we need to live out the reality. Jesus told those stories, didn't he, about the talents, and, uh, and 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 one guy just kept the talent safe. And you might think that's a fairly good deal. You've been given something to look after, I'm keeping it safe. When the master comes back, I'll give it back to him. It didn't seem anything wrong with that on one level. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom dynamic, in kingdom principles... Just to keep something safe is not the deal. In kingdom, in the kingdom dynamic, what God gives us, he gives us to activate, to use. And when we use it, what happens? It grows and it multiplies. And as it multiplies and as it grows, we'll no longer be infants Paul says, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Instead, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So how do we steward the grace that Jesus has placed within us? Just a few thoughts. And I'd love you this week, perhaps on Wednesday when the video comes out, not of this morning, but of a a kind of the same kind of themes that we've been, some of you have been watching those videos on a, on a Wednesday as we've gone through the summer series. Uh, I'd love you to take some time this week just to think about where you are in relation to these things. Maybe what we've talked about this morning seems brand new. And you go, goodness, I'm not sure I recognize the way the grace of Jesus expresses itself. I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I, I don't understand it. Well, ask God about it. Ask God to help you see what He has given you. And one of the ways to access hearing from God about what He's given you is to think about what do you enjoy doing? What experiences have you had where you feel like you've contributed? What do you think your strengths are in a particular situation or circumstance? Try to articulate it, to express it, to name it. If, you, if you're really stark and they I, I can't see at all what's in me, ask someone else and I promise you they'll be able to see it. it. It takes courage to ask somebody else, doesn't it? Because we're always afraid of what they're going to say. But I promise you people will see it. Because it's much easier to think about somebody else than it is to think about ourselves. And there are also um, tests and stuff that you could do. uh, Just a simple kind of snapshot of answering questions that will give you a framework of reference. If you're interested in that, then we'd love to help you uh, with that. But we need to recognize what God has placed within us. We can't use it, develop it, grow it if we don't recognize it but maybe maybe we've thought about all of this before and we know well actually I uh, I've got a bit of an apostle in me and I've got a bit of an evangelist in me or I've got a bit of uh, uh, prophetic and a bit of shepherd whatever it uh, whatever it might be be intentional be intentional about bringing that characteristic into the places where God has put you think about the different contexts that you're in church Work, family, neighborhood. How can I use what God has put in me to be a blessing to others, to be a force for the flourishing of God's kingdom? Be intentional. And being intentional often means being confident, doesn't it? And what makes us lose confidence is when we think we're not like other people. And that's the whole point, isn't it? The reason the world needs you, the reason your work team needs you, the reason this church needs you is that you're different from everybody else. You with me? It's our difference that needs to build confidence. And in our human relationships, often it's the other way around. If we feel we don't fit in with everybody else, what do we do? We lose confidence. So we don't speak up, so we shy away, so we keep ourselves to ourselves. But it needs to be the reverse. When we realize that we are different, it needs to create confidence in us to speak up, to stand up, to act up, to act out. Because people need the grace that Jesus has placed in us. And the third thing in terms of activating it is be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Because we're all different, sometimes some people will say things that you think is, are absolutely ridiculous. I know you've probably never experienced that. And you'll go, I've got no idea where they're coming from. It just may be that they're coming from a different place of grace to you. And that needs to be received. Are you with me? And so we need to be thoughtful rather than defensive in those moments. Because other people carry things that we don't. Other people see things clearly in a way we don't. Other people have a better perspective than our own, and so on. And then lastly, we mature it, don't we? How do we mature? The thing about these graces is that the goal is to become like Jesus. So if I feel that I have the grace of the teacher, becoming an even better, better, better teacher in the end doesn't make me more like Jesus. It makes me a better teacher. In fact, it doesn't make me a better teacher To be a better teacher, I need to become more rounded in the others. Because the more rounded I am in all of them, the more like Jesus I become. Because Jesus embodied all five. And so there are times when we need to lean into things that aren't particularly our strength. It's character building for sure. And it grows the character of Jesus in us that's less naturally present why is all this important because we need to live a life worthy of the calling to surrender and steward what's in our hand not just what's in our hand but what Jesus has placed in our heart let's be quiet for a moment And I want you just to think about one thing that struck you about this morning. One thing that struck you that you're going to take away and reflect. Reflect upon, think upon, pray about, meditate on, ruminate around. What's God saying in that? What was God trying to say to me? Where, where was God trying to get my attention today? Perhaps it was around thinking about one of the five and and which you particularly lean into. Perhaps you were surprised about the way that you thought about Jesus and how it reflects some of the the five, but perhaps not all of them. Perhaps you're you're thinking about a particular context, your team at work, or uh, 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 your place in a set of relationships, and and you can see that you're bringing something that's different from the others, and perhaps you've lacked confidence in that confidence in that place because. You, you feel different. You feel out of step, and yet, and yet you feel a spirit of God just just encouraging, urging you. Actually, actually, what that team, what that group, what that community, what that, whatever it is, needs is what you are bringing. And you're thinking about how you can bring that in a grace-filled way. Where is God speaking to you in this moment? And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to take that forward? Perhaps Becky can come and we'll use the song. Your grace is enough. Your grace in in my in my life. Your grace is enough. All that I need. As we come into communion and communion, we we realize that we're a family. We're a body. And the thing about the family and the body is that we need all of us. If we're going to fully display Jesus to the world we need the grace that's in me and the grace that's in you because together we complete the picture. And when we're completing a picture, just like a jigsaw puzzle, we don't look for the same piece as the one we've just placed in the jigsaw. We look for a different piece in order to create the whole. And so here at Communion, we celebrate the unity that we have in Jesus and the diversity that we have also in Jesus for the sake of God's kingdom in the world. Your grace is enough.